Hello and welcome to another edition of Spotlight, the Star Trek podcast where we analyse the Star Trek universe from a non-Trekky perspective. Today we're doing Spotlight at the movies. The Spotlight stra- at the movies. <laughs> The strand of our podcast, where we analyse a film made by a Trekkie alumni, <laughs> whether it be behind the camera or in front of it, but they have to be principal. Yes. Not the best yes. boy. And there are strict rules, as exampled by today's film. You have to have made a significant contribution to the Trek landscape. So if you've written a Star Trek film, that qualifies you. Okay, because you wrote a Star Trek movie, man. Does it have to be made? Huge. Like, yes, it has, to have been, oh. it has to have actually made it to the screen. If you've written That's just me one... That's me then. <laughs> it's Tarantino out as well. Yeah. If you've written just one episode of a series, no, sir. But if you wrote a film yeah. on film, you will get Un- it. On film. I, I am joined by my regular co-host, Paul Wilson. Hello. Uh, we are not joined by Matt Brothers today. Matt Rose missing in action. He has a very early Christmas meal to attend, apparently. <laughs> That's how much he cares about you, listeners. Uh, we are also joined by two guests. We have Sam Clements. Hello. And also Louise Owens. Hi. And can you please tell us who you are and what you do? Uh, so Sam and Louise, we make a podcast called the 90 Minutes or Less Film Fest, which is a podcast that celebrates films under 90 minutes long, because really, you know, that's all you need. Anything else is an indulgence, and we're firmly against that. And, uh, and yeah, I think we brought that mindset to today's spotlight at the movies. Yes. <laughs> Do, is, there, is there any epic films that you love, though? I mean, yeah, oh, I mean, obviously. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, taking, yeah, getting yeah. off my soapbox. Yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, I, I think I think what I... I guess what it is is a bit of... Um, there's so many films which are quite long and you feel the length and yeah. you're sort of wondering, actually, why are they two hours and 20 minutes long? The standard Marvel, for example, film is about two hours and 20. Mm. And sometimes they're, they're just a bit bloated. That being said, though, Avengers Endgame, three hours long, uses the runtime spectacularly well, and I thought it flew by. But if you go back, I guess, down the you know, years gone by, Lawrence of Arabia, one of my favourite films of all time, it's close to you four passed. hours. Close <laughs> to four hours. But I think that the good, good thing about that is it feels, it's four hours, but it flies by. Um, so it's as long as you, if you have a long run time, you have to absolutely, you know, warrant it and justifiably, you know, make it so the audience aren't sort of wondering why you're that long but most films could benefit from 20 minutes out well I, including passenger 57 do you share sam's passion for 90 minute movies i wouldn't say passion i'm just along for the ride really i mean anything if i'm presented with some films to watch on a saturday night and it's between this film that's two hours long or this one that's 90 it's going to be the 90 minutes every time Wow. Okay. Yeah, you say you 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 sort of you're very blasé about this, but you absolutely always go for the shortest runtime. I am fully in agreement that every <laughs> single film can have twenty minutes taken out of it. Every, every single, single James Bond film, definitely. <laughs> I would yeah. very much like to see a ninety-minute James Bond film. Yeah, yeah. Well, very much. I mean, we came close, didn't we, with Quantum? But that's yeah. Like, yeah. How long's Quantum? One hundred and two. Yeah. It feels it's a short. It feels like a ninety-minute film yeah. though, like because it's so choppy and everything. That it feels really kind of like condensed for. And look, we we can't apologise for Quantum, aren't we? Yeah, really? At the end of the day, oh, like really? yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, oh. look, I, I think I, it's the second best Craig movie. I, I wasn't, and then like Paul was. Was like, oh, you got to give it a second go, man. I did a full Bond rewatch like the other year, and uh, well, I think I finished it off um, this year. And when I rewatched uh, Quantum, yes, it's basically a weird one where all the criticisms I had of it probably still stand, 
But watching it again, especially watching it straight after Casino, because it re in terms of uh, its story, it really does feel like a two-part film in many ways. Lots of stuff hit me far better. And actually there are a lot of the action scenes... Some of them are just way too choppy, like Jason Bourne level and like that. But there are some, like the opening car chase, yes. that actually are really Extremely good. Extremely visceral. And I think it took me a few watches to kind of get that as well. I just, yeah. I think if you've watched all the Bond films in a row, which I've never done, but you guys, you and Matt have, you probably see why it's such a, like it started to kind of rise up in the ranks mm. for me, because mm. it's an outlier and it's very much like they're trying something a little bit different, which is, you know, breaking with the formula, making it a bit shorter. Yeah, it's bit the only one where you don't want to cut stuff out. And yeah, it's the only one where you want to put something back in, which is like <laughs> maybe a wide shot here yeah. and there. <laughs> and Craig's performance in it is amazing. Casino Royale is my favourite Bond movie, and he's fantastic in it and really layered performance, but in Quantum of Solace, he's so shit down. He's, he's so Steve McQueen as Bond. That's what I said. 100%. Yeah, I completely agree with you. So there you go, guys. Give Quantum of Solace <laughs> another <laughs> chance. Can I just but, say, we have not chosen Quantum of Solace for this yeah. podcast. And we no. can never have a James Bond film on 90 Minutes or Less. No. A great shame. No. Unless the producers are listening. Unless you do. Uh, you know, it down. Yeah. The new one's not out yet. Maybe, <laughs> maybe do the first Bond one, the TV show. Like um, oh dear. Casino Royale. Yes. The TV with, um, what's his name? Peter Lorre. Uh, yeah, the one Woody Allen wrote it, didn't he? No, 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 that. before that, so oh, it was right. the 50s, yeah. All right. <laughs> there is a Bond film on the spotlight of the movies list, so... Is it Toy Over Dice? It is, yeah. Yes. So See. we may get around to it. I could watch it now, I don't have time. But today we are talking about 1992's Passenger 57, chosen by you guys. Why did you choose this film, apart from the fact that it's only 84 minutes long? Well, that was the main reason. But <laughs> when you asked us to come on, we were presented with this enormous list of films. Over 200 movies. Over 200 <laughs> films. And we thought, there's got to be a way to get this down. What's the remit of our podcast, Sam? You, yeah, films yeah, under yeah. 90 minutes. <laughs> so we just stuck with all the ones under 90 minutes. I think the shortest one on your list was the Batman animated... Batman versus Two-Face, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because William Shatner plays Two-Face. Oh, wow. oh. As was originally intended in the original Adam West TV series back in the 60s in an episode written by Harlan Ellison, responsible for possibly the best episode of Star Trek the original series ever, mm. but it never got produced. So they made it as like an animated uh, movie years later. So there you go, loads of Star Trek connections. Loads. But we didn't want to go for that one. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair enough. That's fair enough. Um, and we're just looking through the list and we're like, oh, that one's got Wesley Snipes in it. It looks like an action film. Let's do that one. We've got a bit of a penchant for 90s action movies. Mm. And to the point where actually we're really struggling for 90s action films to watch. I think we've done even you know, like the, the A list and then the B list and... I don't know where the C list is. What's um, your A list then? Like, so I guess on my A list, I'd put in, you know, like the holy trinity of the best action movies ever made uh, with uh, The Rock, with Con Air, Face Off. Uh, those are. Those well, are my, that's, the, that's the trinity. Yeah. yeah. I would say, but with no speed. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. Does are you that, saying the 90s trinity of, uh, only? This is the 90s. Oh, okay. Because yeah. right, okay. actually, really, that's the best genre, uh, era for action movies in my book. But then you've also got some great things. Last Boy Scout, we've got Die oh, Hard yeah. 3. Big fan of anything like a political or mm. law enforcement. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's always American ones. It's always the FBI or the CIA. Well, you put, like, or Air Secret Force Service. One in there. Cliffhanger. Bit of Cliffhanger. Yeah, um, yeah Cliffhanger. I think very the good. first two Mission Impossibles are in the 90s. No, the first is. Just the first one. Yeah, yeah, 2000. 2000. Demolition yeah. Man. 
Demolition Man. Uh, yeah, Demolition Man, Man the yeah. great one. But, you know, these are all films that we've watched. Mm. And we were, mm. were desperate for films we haven't watched. And I've, I've never even heard of Passenger 57. So a cursory sort of check on the internet to, to realise what genre we were in. Like, <laughs> all right, it has to be this. Ramsey wants me to hire the best person available to head up the counterterrorism unit. That person happens to be you. I don't want that responsibility. Get off the sidelines, you gotta get back into this game. They finally captured the world's most dangerous hijacker. Now, they're bringing him back for trial on a plane. Notify my people. They'll know what to do. That was their first mistake. Once again, Charles Rain is in control. And how do you like your sirloin, sir? Bloody. But there's just one thing he didn't count on. 56, 57. Passenger 57. I watch your show all the time. My show? Never miss it. Woo, woo, woo. Who's in charge? I am. Once again, who's in charge? You are. Wesley Snipes. No, 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 this is not happening. You, back to your seat. My queen! John Cutter, he's airline security. Tell me you're good at this. I'm the best. Plan not working out the way you want it? Don't flatter yourself, Cutter. One way or the other, we're going down. No, just chill out. I'm one of the good guys. Didn't your father ever teach you never send a boy to do a man's job? Wesley Snipes. Need help? No. He's all mine. Passenger 57. Also, you know, this is a, a subgenre of action films like, you know, on a plane, which mm. has died a death post 9-11. Like, this is the golden yeah. age of, like, you know, action on a plane without all that kind of context of, you know, that you kind of think about, you know, terrorism and those kind of things. It just leaves a bit of a sour taste, doesn't it? Just add some snakes and it kind of helps. <laughs> it's a long way, doesn't it? But, hey, you obviously haven't seen non-stop starring the incredibly unproblematic Liam Neeson. Yeah, well, I think the problem with, like, non-stop and these modern ones is they don't feel... They're not quite as rough around the edges uh, and they're not quite as gritty. I I, I wanted to enjoy non-stop, but I, I couldn't really get into it. Has a very brief uh, role from Lupita Nyong'o after 12 Years a Slave. Oh, she yes, plays, so I think, does. a Cockney uh, member of flight crew. <laughs> I think she is on the flight crew, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Liam Neeson doesn't try and murder her. But non-stop, I've got to say, I'm a massive apologist for it. I really like yeah, it. Yeah, that's what everybody hoped the commute would be, but on yeah. train. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. it was the same yeah. director, kind of thing. so I was like, oh, wow, non-stop on a train, now he's talking, and then it was a disappointment. But yeah, so I, there you go. That's another outlier quantum solace and non stop double bell. Sadly, <laughs> both too long for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> you did consider a Fast and Furious movie. For we a did, because we oh, also we love the Fast and Furious movies, which I guess are the sort genuinely, of modern. Genuinely, not in an ironic way. Oh, no, good. I, I agree. genuinely love the Fast and the Furious mm. films. Yeah, well, they're the best sort of action genre, action mm. franchise we've got going on, and I love that they're on their sort of. 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th installments. I haven't, I haven't seen any of them, but I understand that kind of they have that kind of campy quality, which mm. is so missing from the cynical action film being made today. Everything's got to be so dour. Like, mm. I saw White House Down and Olympus. Olympus has uh, fallen. 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 So I saw 
I messed, my wife was watching these and I just watched over her shoulder with the M Olympus film and I thought, my God, it's really dark and it's, it's a lot more bloody than this other one. Mm. But again, it's not fun in the slightest. Yeah. It's just... It's They're not quite f- mean-spirited, I think. Really? Those fallen mm. films. Well, yeah. certainly London has fallen, yeah, which is just like outright racist. <laughs> like, but, um... <laughs> but it just, it's, you know, it's very much of the time at the moment where, you know, I think the Fast Furious was flying in the face of that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They're big, big fun. It's all yeah. about, I mean, especially... and. I think now might be reaching a precipice of they've kind of got in on the joke themselves. And I think that may be an issue. Like, I enjoyed Hobson Shaw, but I actually was like, oh, you know what? I don't think I actually wanted a knowing Fast and Furious film where they yeah. were like, we know it's funny, guys, and we're going to play up no, to it. needs to be straight. You team play it straight. Yeah. Like, that's the thing, you know. Earnestness what? is what gets you kind of the enjoyment of that. Mm. Exactly. Like, I did see a clip from Hobbs and Shaw, and I, I you know, because I've seen the trailers, and I can, mm. you can almost tell there was a different vibe. Definitely it was a lot more yeah. winky yeah. wink, look yes. at the camera mm. kind of thing. 100%. And the thing is, people diss Big Finn, but you know what? I think you need him for the Fast and Furious films. You need him because he. Out of everyone in those movies, he's the one who takes it the most seriously, oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and he yeah, is yeah. there, and he is thinking about this like Shakespeare. Kind of doing it, and I actually think you need that. You need that to ground it, kind of thing. And I think you know I'm gonna stick up for him. I well, think he does a good job. Wait, Vin Diesel. Oh, Vin Diesel. Sorry. Vin Diesel. Yeah, yeah, because obviously everyone just goes, "Oh, I only got good when The Rock came in," which is true, everything <laughs> like that. But I think you need still need Vin holding it down, kind yeah. of thing. Like reminding us, it's all about family. <laughs> it is all about family. <laughs> so there you go. Fight with my family. Oh, that's that one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, which is also very good. Uh, Passenger Fifty Seven. So you hadn't actually seen it before. No. You never even heard of it. No. no. So you big Snipes fan? Have you not seen the first Fifty Six? <laughs> it's funny because I've seen you know, one to three and then I just tapped out I like Wesley Snipes a lot but I just I don't know I, I didn't really I just thought he was fully formed at Blade I didn't really consider what might have come before it he was formed <laughs> <laughs> New Jack City watched in the fires yeah. in Passenger 57 um, I think really I saw him in King of New York with uh, yeah. Christopher Walken yeah. where he does a great little thing I mean but it's it's Lawrence Fishburne who does come out with the most memorable part in that I think um, well, Lawrence Fishburne is the is the baddie, isn't he? Yeah. He's on and Snipes um, is Snipes and David Caruso are the two cops who like break wow. the law to bring down <laughs> Walken and yes. um, and Fishburne, who are like these gangsters who are almost untouchable, um, and have you know got away with it for so long. They just like we, we need to like go down to their level and yeah. like you know pull on the old ski mask and try and assassinate them. And Snipes like has a great scene, well, final scene I should say with Florence Fishburne, which is unbelievable. Yeah, it's very, yeah. very good. And you're exactly right. These are the kind of films that made him a star in terms of like you know he had these little supporting roles in these cool crime movies like that, and also then took the lead in New Jack City, which was a big hit. This is the big, um, yeah, big, can... big hit. Yeah. And then of course in '92 he does White Men Can't Jump. Which I feel like you have New Jack City, which was kind of like a really like uh, hard boiled kind of like gangster picture, but then was a big hit. Mm. But then White Men Can't Jump, which I watched for the first time the other day, seemed to be a thing where it's like, oh, now he's being positioned as being a bigger star. And obviously that's something that was kind of, you know, quite... It's directed by the guy, Ron Shelton, who directed Bull Durham. And uh, and Tin Cup. Cup. Yeah, 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 exactly. And so he is another one of his kind of, you know, crowd-pleaser sports films. 
and obviously was a big hit as well for him and Woody Harrelson. And I think that's when they went, right, this guy is a mainstream star. Because let's face it, in 1992, having a black action lead in a massive studio blockbuster was, would have been an extremely rare thing. I mean, you know, we've got Danny Glover in The Lethal Weapons, but that's a co-star. It's not the same. Yeah, and the Demolition Man, is, you know, slides the yeah. lead in that. So. Exactly, he's the baddie. So this this is a big deal and seems really to be the first time they were pushing... Connery in Boiling Point. Again, he's always playing across these guys. Yeah, which was the year after. Like, uh, this seems the first time that they're pushing a black lead to be on a level of Arnie, Bruce Willis, all those kind of guys. The Star Trek connection here is David Lowry, who wrote Star Trek V, The Final Frontier. From a relaxing vacation on Earth. Greetings, Captain. I do not think you realize the gravity of your situation. <laughs> to the most perilous reaches of space. Only one crew dare travel where no man has ever gone before. We'll need all the power you can muster, mister. On a desolate planet, a renegade Vulcan seeks ultimate knowledge. To find it, we'll need a starship. And he will stop at nothing to get it. I dreamt that a madman had taken over the Enterprise. <laughs> you look like you've just seen a ghost. Perhaps I have, Captain. Our destination the planet Shakari, Eden, at the center of the galaxy. The center of the galaxy can't be reached. If you ask me, and you haven't, I think this is a terrible idea. We're bound to bump into the Klingons. Remain on course. To Kirk, he's a fanatic to be fought. You know we'll never make it through the Great Barrier. I say that danger is an illusion. To the crew, he's a mystic to be followed. Cyborg has simply put us in touch with feelings that we've always been. I have to get back to the transporter. To Spock, he's the past he must confront. Shoot him! You know I'm right. Spock, my only concern is getting the ship back. And you're either with me or you're not. Put him in the brig with Captain Kirk. I'm a prisoner on my own ship. Jailbreak when you see one. There are three more connections to the Star Trek universe. There are more film. connections, you're right. We've done our research. Very We've good work. We've done our research. I've got them down here, but you go right ahead. Okay, so number one, Bruce Greenwood. Yeah. Yes, who is Pike, Pike in the, in the JJ films. films. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we have Alex Datcher, who plays Marty the Air Steward S, is in one episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. She is, yeah, <laughs> as an ensign. <laughs> yes, and Robert Hooks, who is the FBI guy is in Star Trek 3 mm. Search for Spock you know I didn't know about that last yeah. one so yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, three. we got the name of the character there no <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's fine it but didn't also Wesley Snipes audition for Next Generation he did for Geordie LaForge yes oh, I did great. not know yeah. this is that true that That's is on true his, uh, it's, on, it's on the internet uh, well it's not <laughs> me true then like Snipes as Geordie it's Visor Man no, what, what do you think about that Paul oh it does change things, doesn't it? So, yeah, I mean, I just can't think of like the same like snipes that we know who went to prison later on, and you know was calling a Ryan Reynolds a cracker on the set of Blade Three. I'm quite right. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, uh, just you can't imagine him going to conventions and getting up being all pally pally with people. Like, yeah, you know, maybe it would have been a proper like sliding doors moment though. Maybe you know yeah, he would have paid yeah. his taxes, and yeah. maybe you know like him not doing all those '90s action films, him not being Blade. 
Mm. You know, that would, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a whole different universe. I'd like, uh, yeah, yeah, maybe if the guy who is actually Geordie, if he did all of Wesley Snipes' work and then he became Blade, it'd be quite good. God, yeah. Oh, and then Wesley Snipes would be reading the books. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 What's it called? Not Rainbow Rhythms. What's, what's the thing called that he does? Do you know about this? No, I don't know. Uh, the oh, guy like who Reading made... Rainbow or something. Reading Rainbow, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. LeVar Burton. Yeah. LeVar Burton. He, do, he did a TV show. For kids, where like kind of American Jack and Ori, where he read books and everything to them, but he's now done it as a podcast. Uh-huh. Reading Rainbow, is that what it's called? Yes. Rainbow of Reading. You say something with enough confidence. <laughs> One of those. There's something very steely about Snipes. I'm not sure that LeVar Burton could have pulled it off in quite the same way. But, you know, LeVar Burton's great at playing Weisman. So, you know, I don't, I don't think Snipes could have done that either. So there you go. Uh, it's also co-written by Dan Gordon, uh, most famous for writing Wire Up and The Hurricane with Denzel Washington. Another film that I'm a big apologist for, Star Trek V The Final Frontier, which David Lowry uh, wrote, who's the connection today. Like most people are not a fan of that film. Uh, I love it, as does Matt, who's not on the podcast today, but he also I think, loves you know, it. There's a lot, as I said, a lot of the problems came with the shooting of the film. Rather than in the scripting stage, there's like there big go. ideas, and I think we did you know cover all of that in our episode. If you want to go back, guys, and uh, listen to that one, you did a really good behind the scenes part of history of that film, and like how you know it was Chatner's grand vision because we had the captain's log, William Chatner's authorized account of the making of Star Trek V. <laughs> yeah, his onset diary, his onset diary. Um, you know, written by his daughter, so you know it was absolutely you know warts and all. But you know, David Lowry also um, has one of the great unproduced Star Trek scripts, which is the Starfleet Academy. Sort of. Um, oh, did he mission. write that one? Did he? Yeah. So in the in the late eighties, they um, Howard Bennett was trying to expand the universe, and also the original cast were demanding too much money, and there was never they had to renegotiate every time. They had to come back for another one, and so to kind of maybe look at cut and cost, but also look in a different direction. He wrote these. It was a finished script for this for this you know Starfleet early years or you know Academy years or something like that. So all of the um, main principles being recast. I think some of the names moved around were like Gary Sinise for Spock. I think Ethan Hawke for Kirk. Ethan wow. Hawke for Kirk. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Ethan Hawke for Spock. Or do you say it was Sinise for Sinise Spock? Sinise for Spock, I, I think it was in the name of See, I would have thought, I would have gone Sinise McCoy mm-hmm. and then Hawke Spock. That's what I would have gone for, mm-hmm. personally. Yeah, I'm okay. like, can we imagine Hawke as Kirk? Yeah, back then, you know. Um, yeah. I think about a young Definitely Ethan Hawke. Ethan before has, sunrise yeah. era Ethan Hawke yeah. yeah, he's got not, a bit of the before sunset he's got a bit of the Chris Pine around him I think when he, in like the young the young version of mm. Ethan Hawke I can yeah. sort yeah. of see that okay, okay. Like, I mean don't get me wrong I love, love Hawke I think he's an amazing actor but yeah if you're interested in hearing more about that there's another podcast yes. um, they're called <laughs> Glorious Trexperts where they kind of go into that and then interview David Larry about that unproduced script so I found it very fascinating don't tell me about other Star Trek podcasts Paul I thought you were the only Star Trek we're on a whatsapp group yeah. 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 okay directed by kevin hooks he's passion 57 who's worked in mostly television uh, and he's still working sure, today he's still working. Yeah. he is still working consistently yeah, yeah. since 1983 it, he has as a director yeah, yeah. so Kudos to this guy for he, still going. Exactly. He directed like one more film after this, which was Fled, 
Have you ever heard of that? Yes, I've seen it. it That's was... with Fishburne and uh, somebody else, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, you've seen it? Yeah. Okay, it was... I should add much to my letterbox, because that's a classic, one I would have forgotten I've watched. Oh, okay, amazing. <laughs> like, uh, it's on many, it was on many of VHS shows. Was Baldwin? Like, back in the day, quite yeah. possibly one of the Baldwin. It's, it's just like a mid-90s action film. Again, you might not have seen it. Like, Is it, it under 90 minutes long? I, most possibly, yeah. Oh, uh, I'm interested in it. <laughs> Let's get into it. Let's get into Bastion 57. So straight away, I'll say weird fucking score. <laughs> like, from from oh, the opening. You agree, my right? My first note is filthy bass lines. <laughs> I love the score. I, I thought oh. I thought my sound system had stopped working. It was kind of like stops and starts, stops and starts. Is by a guy called Stanley Clark, who did the score for Boys in the Hood. Mm. Um, but I thought it was so trying to be the Lethal Weapon score. Mm. Yeah, at times it was. It, I thought they actually almost tracked in yeah. Michael Cayman <laughs> score yeah. into it. I, there was definitely it's so similar towards places. the end. I think it's the, the airporty bit. Yeah. There was some music there which yeah. I thought was tracked from the Lethal Weapon films. Yeah, um, and it almost probably was a studio note. Like, oh my god, you got a bit too, uh, you know, this way, boys in the hood of it. Perhaps we just need to rein it in a bit. Um, but I, I couldn't yeah, believe bizarre like, opening titles. I mean, Saul Bass was obviously not to be found. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because uh, yeah, I was like watching it, going, "Who's this guy?" Like, was it like? <laughs> like you know, there wasn't even like it was, it was all the things going through the airport scanner, wasn't it? Mm. And then, yeah. but so we're just saying his. Hey, hey, is going through the Air Force gun? <laughs> <laughs> on the conveyor belt? <laughs> uh, this is Charles Rain, Charles who is Rain. the bad guy of this film. And we open on him having a face change. Or about to, uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, well, he's, <laughs> he's, yeah he's, he's about to. He's about to go all diamonds are forever with us. <laughs> and the doctor tells him he'll need something for the pain. Now, he tells the doctor that there will be no pain. And I could not work out if this was trying to say that there better not be any pain, Doctor. I wasn't going to kill you. Or he was saying, like, I'm so hardcore, I don't feel pain. Or, or, third time, because the cops turn up outside and one of the cops goes, he keeps changing his face. So we're like, oh, this is something he's done before. I was like, he he's had facial surgery so many times, it's cut he, all the nerves. He's severed his nerves. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's going to be like Reynard in yeah. uh, World Is Not Enough. Yeah. Like, yeah, I couldn't work out which one it was going to be. I, I just thought we should, it would have been just been the surgery going, well, okay, then it starts cutting his face. Goes, <laughs> 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 Second thought I'd have something for that. Uh, so it's all a setup, isn't it? The the cops turn up, SWAT team. Uh, so I couldn't work out if like the doctor had shopped him. Or what? Like, uh, what was going on there exactly? Mm-hmm. Because he does, he kills that doctor pretty well, fast. Well, he, t- he tells him, what's the time? And he says, you know, it's five to death. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what was, I couldn't work 
work well, out they, why... Well, again, I looked into this, like, because he says again later on when uh, Hurley, you know, um, it's with Hurley playing the uh, villainous stewardess, mm. um, or should I say flight attendant, um, that she made that mistake in the movie, um, shoots people, but he asked the FBI guy what the time is. But I think it's, apparently in the TV version, he goes to explain he wants them to know the time of their death. Because it's really useful afterwards. I, I, I literally could not. I was like, "Why is he asking that? Why is that significant?" Because I was like, "Does he know that the SWAT team is meant to burst in at this moment? In which case, why is he bothered going there?" Like, you know, I was like, "Right, it's because that it's his like catchphrase." It's, it's just crazy. There's a he does. Okay, so SWAT team turn up. There's quite a good little foot chase here, I thought. Like quite, quite uh, well it done. Jumps towards that painting outside the window. That was quite good. There was, I mean, very the high def didn't do the uh, set design any favors. <laughs> leaps through the through the window, uh, to, and it just is pure painted backdrop. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so you watched this on Dooved, did no, you? No, we, we we I think we rented it on Amazon. I think it was vaguely in HD. Like mm. the notion of an HD thing, but uh, <laughs> the was, of there HD. was lots of like scratches on the print, and yeah. it was something that was like purely. We must have a. We've got a old videotape somewhere we'll just put it on yeah scan yeah. it in hd and you then you get that happens you... a lot on amazon didn't you yeah well that was the thing I, what was it tango and cash which is a warner brothers picture like that was not only not just a videotape transfer it was the fucking pan and scan version <laughs> which they put on amazon as well it's like where's their quality control see i taught saw tango and cash uh for the first time at the stallone uh, all-nighter at prince charles cinema wow. earlier this year and i think they had a print of tango and cash which is always great going like yeah they had a couple of the um Films like the early ones, like Rocky and First Blood, were like proper cleaned up, like 4K, like HD. Uh, but then as it got closer to now, they managed to source got... actual film prints. Yeah, I think Cliffhanger's been a 4K recently. But, you know, the closer to the night, they haven't quite reached that era where they're going, we're going to have to go back to those as well. So mm. there's HD masters for all of this stuff that mm-hmm. exists around 2000 when they did the DVD. But they're just like, well, it's just cheaper for us to go and release that, slap it on the disc and... Uh, for the best well yeah, yeah I got the Blu-ray from um, Cinema Paradiso the uh, awesome physical media uh, subscription service that I subscribe to it's very good and uh, they sent me Blu-ray and I yeah I thought it looked pretty pretty good so there you go physical media for the win people were there That's any the special video. features on the Blu-ray was uh, there a director's commentary scene access uh, scene access yeah, it, interactive menus uh, original theatrical trailer it was minimal <laughs> I, animated titles uh, I think it might be some production notes maybe okay, <laughs> like, okay. yeah, I mean, uh, there's no hour long making of Doc uh, Wesley Snipes biography <laughs> 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 it goes, goes a bit quiet around 2010 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah no, I thought that little foot chase was, was good stuff straight away um, and then we go to the flight attendant training school that's yeah. uh, like an entire like flight simulator. They built awesome. an entire plane for it. Where do they get these extras from? Do they just hire them every single time they do some training? Right. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, is this a real thing? Does this actually exist? I what? think if you're an out of work actor, though, going to like those role play things or like like yeah. it's probably quite a good gig. Yeah, nice day rate, probably a bit of catering, get a free lunch. But this is this isn't even this is his job though, isn't it? It's like it's is what he should be doing all the time. Like true, and actually yeah. it's, it's introducing quite a, it's a it's quite a good fake out. We think we're on a plane. Yeah, they got a yeah. full plane going. Uh, Everyone's got their own parts. They're all acting. Although, like... as soon as it came on, did you just go training? I was. I turned to you and said, "That's a training scene." I was hooked. I was like, "Wesley's not supposed to be the good guy. What's he doing?" Oh, (laughs) but yeah, exactly. All these kind of like extras all have their own backstories and everything like that. I'm like, "What's going on?" Yeah, it must cost loads to run this thing. This is Spencer training course of all time. Um, 
But also, you, you know, I wonder if the advice has changed at all in the intervening years where it's like, just do what the terrorist says. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, that's what they say in this, isn't it? Yeah. They're like, obey the I'm terrorist. Like, Look, if he tells you to join to the World Trade Center, you do it. Like, <laughs> but yeah, that's that's 1992, man. Like, yeah, like, exactly. uh, and also, you know, she commended for like, you know, I think he's just annoyed she kicked him in the shins. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's very humorless in this, isn't he? Yeah. Like, and I've got to say, because I watched... There's more um, laughs in United 93. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I watched uh, White Men Can't Jump and rewatched Blade in the same week. Like for, And also recently watched Don White Is My Name. Yeah. So Wesley Snipes is a very charismatic, funny actor. Who's perfectly capable of being, um, like even with Blade, that like sometimes falls into that slightly steely, humorless zone. He also has fun with it as well. Uh, he's got some really funny one-liners in that film, and it just seemed to me, considering this was the film where they were pushing him to be an action star, like they were sort of dialing down the things that make him so great. Well, yeah, I mean, you, I think they're trying to bake get him in the mould of a John McClane, kind of like a wisecracking guy. But like, mm. well, that's what they would have hoped would happen. But it's not going to happen when you tell him of a dead wife-like backstory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a lot to say about the flashback, which I say was, if Jim Jarmusch directed a Pepsi commercial. <laughs> 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 because it's like he's cradling his dead wife in, the, you know, in his arms, in this you know grainy black and white shot where there's two Pepsi signs really prominently displayed in that shot. It just completely undercuts that. But what great product placement! Like, yeah, yeah, it's like this will make them want to buy Pepsi. I say the, the 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 flashbacks in Naked Gun thirty three and a third were more convincing than this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't too sure about the flashbacks to be honest what did you guys think i very much enjoyed the rain outside as he was training and imagining the flashbacks like just that yes. whole mishmash of mm-hmm. the rain yeah. the roundhouse kicks the sad backstory he was doing an angry life. workout wasn't he he was doing an angry workout yeah. in the rain and he's like posh like like what it looks like a converted sort of what? loft apartment well yeah, yeah. He's got the, he's got, he basically took on the lease after big left it got <laughs> <laughs> the trampoline in the corner yeah. uh, as well but because it, look, every time he took, cut, cut back to him there it's almost like his equipment's in a different place it's like how many of these like punch bags you've got one in the bathroom. <laughs> it was one of those like very brutal. You see it in films in like the late eighties, early nineties, like when there's it's it's always in a convenience store as well. It's a hold up, slow mo, window smashing, um, very 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 loud gunshots. Yeah. Um, but it also like you never in the hostage situation which his wife is in. Normally, you know, after you do the stuff, they do let go. And twice in this film, there's a hostage situation where the hostage then gets shot mm. after. Wesley Snipes does what the person's saying. It's, it's quite brutal. It's really weird. You never see that in films. Yeah, so Charles Rain is not insane. Charles Rain is not insane. And he's a poet and he didn't even know it. Oh, uh, yeah, that scene. <laughs> I mean, I was watching that going, was Christopher Walken busy? Or something? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that is really, really weird. This scene where he's, he's with his lawyer... Yes. Is it or whatever? And like... He was not paid enough to do it. (laughs) The lawyer's just like, oh, I want to get you off, Charles, so we'll go for the old insanity plea. And he goes absolutely... absolutely, The last three times. He goes absolutely (laughs) mental and starts like battering him. It's like, Charles Rain is not insane. Well, I was like, number one, Charles, 
if the police are watching this, they'll go, yeah, we'll definitely accept that insanity mm-hmm. plea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and number two, he's working for you. He's trying to get you off. What are you doing? I mean, it, it seems like, well, it's a British villain in an action movie. So I feel like, you know, the Alan Rickmans and the Charles Dances, you know, they put, they can't think they're trying to go for something like that. But yeah. this guy is so utterly insane in this film. <laughs> Uh, this performance is so unhinged um, that you can't understand why anybody's following him. Because <laughs> he's got, you know, he's got no charisma at all. He's just, and he's just a bit rapey too, as well. Like, uh, yes. So that was a really yeah, nasty scene. Horrible. Yeah, that was really horrible. So we're referring to a scene later in the film where um, uh, the stewardess um, is. I keep saying it. Um, but you know, if I'm Charles Rain, I would have said that. And uh, <laughs> you're in character. <laughs> it, and he, yeah. So he's, she's, he's kind of, kind of hitting on her, and she says, "Oh, I'll, you'd have to kill me first. He goes, "No, during." Yeah, we did look at each other during this scene. Like, no. Nope. <laughs> oh, I mean, this was, you know, these were the days of when a villain could use rape as a weapon towards the female lead. He's. He's horrible. He can't take a kid making finger guns at him, even. Because at one point, a kid on the plane makes finger guns at him. And he doubles down and gives him two finger guns back. Scares the shit out of him. I mean, that kid was awful. So yeah, you I'm know, like, I mean, maybe he deserved it. You know. <laughs> no, he did survive, though. That would have been more shocking. If they want to go with the shock factor. Yeah, been. if he literally actually pulled out two <laughs> guns and just blew them away. Um... Did we not think, considering that I went into this film knowing it was only 84 minutes long, that it took quite a while to get to the main kind of crux of the film? Well, the issue with the film, (laughs) one of many, (laughs) is that the first half, maybe half an hour even, is excellent. I was so on board. It was like so 90s, so action, beautiful. But they went on board the plane. They get off the plane. (laughs) Yes. And the predicted interest curve plummets to the ground. Mm-hmm. And I think by the end, I wasn't really paying that much attention to what was going it's on. There's quite a lot of back and forth in the film, both at the beginning. Like, getting snipes on the plane in the first place is quite convoluted. Like, he's an air safety expert. That's cool. He's got a friend. Friends on the... Then he has to have a dinner with some, like, high-flying <laughs> yeah. CEO. Uh, and then with, he... with the most weirdest fades in the yeah. yeah, Lots of, like, um, dissolves to, like... You know, the passage of time, like this meeting, like how long did it take? <laughs> it seems to be really quick. It's like they want to give you the job. It's like, and you are doing nothing to this thing. I mean, you, if I got the interview notes back, um, I would have been like, you know, you could have worked harder, maybe not mentioned like the holiday. Yeah. yeah not like actually, how much are you going to get paid? You did a lot of bad things in that interview. But... Well, the plane doesn't take off until 23 to 24 minutes in, which I was like, that's almost like a third into the film mm. at the end of the day. And like you say, like, I. The film's called Pasture 57. You're like, Snipes is obviously... You presume Snipes is Pasture 57. Like, going, like you know, I can't make... Is he Pasture 57 or is Rain? No, he is. No, he, is. he is. He is Pasture 57. Okay. So in my head, before I saw the film, knowing really nothing about the film apart from that it was a Wesley Snipes action film set on a plane, I was like, it will open and he will be on the plane. So, which is why when the training sequence happened and he is a passenger on the plane, I was like, it fooled me because I was like, oh yeah, of course. We've had the opening scene where Charles Rain is like escaping and I thought at some point he's going to hijack the plane somehow. He's going to turn up. Like, I don't know, hijack the plane. Executive decision, that shit. And kind of like <laughs> burst into the plane. And yeah, it was. I was like, oh, Snipes is the passenger and everything like that. And we're going to be on the plane for the whole film. So when it was like, 
almost 25 minutes in, I was like, why is he on mm. the plane yet? What's going on? And then, like you say, about 20 minutes later, he's off the plane. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. the film is an action movie set on a plane and they kind of go on and off. It. It's, it's really oddly structured. Yeah, so if it takes 20 minutes to get onto the plane, I think at that point you're like, oh, we've got about an hour left. It's going to yeah. be on yeah, the yeah, plane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fantastic. And then they get off the plane and it's a long half hour to the end. Yeah, yeah, because oh, then he gets... Oh, and it's the thing, it's the logistics of making him be able to get on and off the plane and stuff like that. An action film set on a plane is exciting, but an action film set on a grounded plane on an airfield <laughs> is less exciting. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, because I was like, oh, it's sort of a natural extension of Die Hard 2... Where they watched Die Hard 2, Die Hard and 4, you know what would have been better? If John McGain had been on the plane rather than in the airport. And I was kind of like, you're onto something there. And then, like, you watch it and you're like, oh, but you didn't really take a fight. It's like, we, it's like they had him up in the air and they wanted to emulate Die Hard 2. So yeah. they went, we've got to get him back to an airport. Yeah, even <laughs> down to, like, making a cop. Like local cop, really obnoxious and horrible. Yes. I mean, in this case, yeah, racist. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Uh, you know, and then kind of then have him try and be really buddy buddy at the end. Mm. And um, you know, well, well, at least try in one way. He's like, oh, like, do you want to live? He's like, actually, no, I don't want to go anywhere with you. Yeah. You horrible. I guy. thought that was a nice <laughs> little touch of acknowledging, like, because he lands in like where is it? He lands some somewhere in southern kind yeah. of like states or whatever. Just happens to be over like the Texas like <laughs> airport or something. And the southern cops who are very kind of caricatured here, like arresting are very racist immediately. They can't, they won't believe that he's actually yeah, here. He should have had Sheriff J.W. Pepper, like here. <laughs> yeah, that would have been yeah. uh, But James would have been alive. Like it was. I thought, considering this would have been one of the first like black-led like major action films, that was a nice touch to have that in there. Um, but yeah, it just seems odd because the twenty minutes that they have on the plane is probably at the beginning I'd say the best part of the mm. film because you know that's kind of building up there's some nice little kind of close quarter action sequences with like snipes and some real <laughs> JCVD style high kicking yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I, 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 the bit where he's trying to make a phone call in the toilet and the door keeps swinging open again he's like so silly I thought you know where <laughs> so he gets the he has, you have to put a credit card in the machine to get the phone out obviously to make the call and he's saying, you know, the terrorists on the plane. But like the door keeps flipping open and it's attracting the attention of the guard. It just felt very kind of, yeah. you know, if you have the, maybe the top agent, the top security expert, it just felt like you would have maybe well, done that a different way. I could it go three. Yeah, it wasn't on a wire, was it that? No, it's gorgeous. Yeah. So he could have taken it somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I agree with you about that because when he did that, and when he was like speaking really loudly, yeah. he wasn't trying to be surreptitious. I thought... Wait a minute, isn't the terrace like just there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, he can see him. Like, like there was no, the eye line was really off in that. True, but they were in the air at that point, right? It's a yeah. bit bad yeah. noise. Very loud on the airplane. Yeah, especially true. in '92. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Much louder then. Everyone's got their earphones in, watching the in-flight entertainment. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, it's all fine. Uh, I thought it was very odd where Snipes basically demands to fly the plane himself. Kind of turns around to um, the uh, air stewardess. No, flight, flight attendant. attendant. <laughs> when he turns around to the flight attendant, is it? What's the actually? Is is it just? Are we just being massively sexist or? What's yeah, because stewardess like, is like waitress. Ah, uh, you know, yes, like okay, a okay. food server. 
All right, okay, yeah, yeah we don't want to be massively sexist. <laughs> <it's> like, <laughs> but yeah, he, he turns around to her and just says, oh, when everything moves faster than I can walk, I want to be behind the wheel. I was just like, qualified? Like, yeah, I was like, it's like, you chose a job in airline security. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like, you're going to be giving this over. And also, I just wonder if it was a, it was a line. Like, because, right. because he's talking about like having fear of flying, essentially. But whether this is like a chat-up line? Because he's like, oh, well, just come in and check on me. Mm. You know, I'm really, really scared about flying. You know, just being truly honest here. It's like, but that doesn't make any sense of your character for yes. the job that you were being paid to do. <laughs> yeah. And you're the best there is. Yeah. And you can't fly. Like every time he's meant to be doing his job, he's just suffering terrible anxiety. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, God. Like, exactly. <laughs> um, but it's never addressed again. Like, so it clearly, I think it probably was just a, a line, you know, he was feeding there. In terms of that romance, you know, I don't... Didn't quite get much chemistry. No. I've got more chemistry between Liz Hurley and her in the uh, yeah. opening bit. Yeah, yeah that, that was cracking stuff. Was that... That... <laughs> I mean, I believe that scene, amazingly for an early 90s action film, passes the Bechdel test. Yes, I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Any clues to the rumour that the men in Los Angeles actually talk without cue cards? They talk a lot. Whether or not they say anything is another matter. I take it this is your first trip to Los Angeles? It is, yeah. I'm Sabrina Ritchie, by the way. How do you do? Marty Slayton. Sabrina, what a beautiful name. Oh, it's a thing most wondrous to be flattered by one of your peers. Ooh, and I love the accent, too. <laughs> Between you and me, I've been trying to lose it for years. Makes me sound cold and heartless. Actually, now that you mention it. <laughs> Always trust your first impression. <sighs> I have a feeling this is going to be a very interesting flight. I certainly hope so. From that Just one about, conversation. Yeah. It was kind of <laughs> weird, right? In terms of there seems to have been an That's odd trope true. in early 90s action movies of really overly aggressive kind of lesbian uh, female villainesses if it was because you see double impact mm -hmm. like in that that's got um a, a female kind of like bad guy henchman and mm -hmm. she's really overly like has roxy yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. and like yeah and this was similar to i was like where's this come from <laughs> i mean you know i was loving it but like I was like, it seemed like a really what a waste. It seemed like a really <laughs> odd sequence going. In terms of, I was like, why, like, why is this happening? Like, they, have they just met? Why is she saying this? Wouldn't the other like girl react? Well, no, totally. like, you got a bit keen. Bit of try hard. Don't fire out. <laughs> I was like, I, I, it's amazing that Liz Hurley is in this film. Full stop. I'm pretty <laughs> sure it's her big screen debut. Oh wow! Oh. Pretty sure. Oh, no, turn information on there. Uh, oh, I, I, am I wrong? I don't think so. Well. Whatever the case, like uh, she was in the early part of her film yes. career, I yes. would say, yeah. and, and, and um, about three more years to run. Yeah, <laughs> and I mean, yeah, and yeah. been Austin Powers. But, I mean, yeah. you know, but I can see based off of this, I can see why she became a star for a short time because I mean, she is very striking in the film, and she has got something about her. She has got charisma, like in in the movie, definitely in spades. Yeah, like to the point of like you say, she almost. Pushes the actual female lead off the screen with her charisma, kind of thing. like you know, to what <laughs> yeah. you were like, oh, and, she should be the female. And you're kind of like she's doing something in the background too. Like there's a bit where she just has a fuck on the side, you know, when mm. when Carlin walks past and she just overhears him like being, you know, coming onto the uh, um uh, met. What's the name of her Snipes' love interest? Marty. Marty. And she looks really pissed. It's like you know mm. she's in kind of like thrall to Charles Rain a little bit. Like yes, you know she's she a yeah, true yeah. believer. Like she'd yeah. do anything yeah, for yeah. him. And a, but she's doing everything she can yeah. in the background to kind of sell you on this 
relationship. Yeah, 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 yeah. So more than all the other people do, because they're all stuntmen, clearly. Mm. I thought they'd be a bit more imaginative. I think later on, like in the sort of Nick Cage action movie world, and you know, like Bruce Willis is like villains have better deaths. Yes. And in this, a lot of people just get shot. Yeah, it was a bit like, like very. Oh, and Charles Rain also, you know, falls out the plane. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I mean, it's a pure Disney villain death, isn't it? Yeah. Just like, Full screen rain falls out of the play. <laughs> you know, I thought they would have at least pulled a dynamite day and put him through the engine. You know? no? yeah, 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 very true. Well, the only time we want to take anything for dynamite day to be like, you should do this and you'll yeah, Time to face gravity. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, yeah, Charles Rain, who is not insane, we should remember. Charles Rain is not. He's being escorted by kind of like the FBI yeah, or whatever yeah. on the plane. And um, he, the guy who's escorting him orders the chicken at one point. Um, Rain seems to <laughs> turn around, decide it's time for a sick bird, and say, Oh, appropriate for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's like, and then he doubles down, and go, oh, I'll have the steak, because I'm a real man. So, <laughs> what an amazing airline to, to take your steak order and to cook it, uh, you know, at your request. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, steak microwaved. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, number one, I swear he's in an economy, not first class. Uh-huh. Number two, He's a fucking prisoner. Like, why is he going, yeah, I'll have the finest steak. Like, <laughs> Can you set it up for me? <laughs> like, yeah, wondering about that. But then he's like, they say uh, he's on the way to like but death is, row. And it's, it's, uh, oh, it's his final meal. Is Elizabeth Hurley character who like takes their order. Yeah, exactly. oh. At that point, I, I did not see her as a villain. No. I did not see that coming. It's a good reveal, I think. Yeah, really good. Do you think that was the sneak reveal going, really, if it had been a real air attendant, they would have gone... We're not giving you yes. a state. Yeah. You're a murderer. Whereas, because it, it was this early, she was like, oh, of course, I'll make you a steak, sir. Like, I, like yeah, that was the big well, reveal. I think that, that, that meal order makes you pay attention to her a bit more. She's yeah. like, oh, steak on the plane. It sort of makes you remember <laughs> that bit of the film. Steak on a plane. Uh, coming soon. Uh, and uh, so I think that's actually quite good writing at that point. It makes you like just pay attention. Like, it's the writer going, this bit's important. Bear with us five minutes. Something cool's about to happen. I'm pretty sure David Lowry came <laughs> up with that bit. Uh, but yeah, no, it was a, that was a really. I thought that was a good surprise and sort of casting a bit against type uh, mm. for her there. At one point, there's kind of like there's quite a few little comedy moments uh, with Snipes early on where they shove him next to some like racist old bag, like innovate who confuses him with another black bloke, like from a TV show or something. I've looked it up. It was Arsenio Hall. Right. Oh, so it's a real yeah, person real. that yeah, she's... Did everybody she's else doing. pause the film and go on Wikipedia yes. to find out? Yes. Yeah, because I, I was just like, is this one of those things where they're making up a TV show that doesn't exist within the no, film? No, I think she's doing, like, yeah, doing something very contemporary at the time. Like, uh, right, okay. Yeah. It's quite, I think it's quite unusual to see a film coming to America. Yeah, mention contemporary pop culture in that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, especially <laughs> at the end, isn't she, like, clapping him, going, well done, Mr. Hall! Yeah. <laughs> okay, we have a clip from um, the movie, and I think this shows some of the martial arts stuff, right? Yeah, good, because I figured you would show that, <laughs> that piece with you in. Oh, really? No, actually, I haven't seen the clip or the movie, so... <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> well, I'm just, I'm just oh, being honest with you. Oh, I, look, man, I'm I thought you were here every night, man. I don't have to show your damn, damn clip with my joke in it. <laughs> Too full of yourself. <laughs> okay, let's see his clip. Passengers like sing a song or something. They like sing a tune, which I assume is like his TV theme. 
yeah, maybe. So it's a running gag. Really? Like, <laughs> yeah. I was like, what are they doing? Like, yeah. Plus, it's spontaneous. Mm. Like, yeah. Yeah. Very strange. But one of the few times I thought Snipes got to show his own comedy shots was when he pretends to be a terrified passenger. Yeah, so think, really he's good. really funny in that. He full of goes into Eddie Murphy kind of zone of kind of like you're know, being this really he's all over the place, like gangly kind yeah. of that shit. And then suddenly yeah. he's doing the roundhouse kicks and everything like that. And I've got to say, Snipes in this, I think having him as the star does add real credence to the action sequences because he can really fight. He he can do actual martial arts and everything like that. And it makes such a difference. I think we were talking off mic about like, you know, all the big action stars having stuntmen back in the 80s, like Stallone, Arnie and everything like that. And now there are bigger demands on stars to do their own action sequences because of Tom Cruise and the Mission Impossible films and stuff. And it does instantly look so much better. And it's the same for Blade as well, which, uh, as I say, I rewatched this week. The fight sequences that are quality. It's the athleticism. It's rather than the bodybuilder aesthetic yes, of the 80s, yeah, yeah. isn't it? You know, the, yeah. the steroidy kind of look is out. He is lean as fuck. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, you know, and he's moving fast. Like, yes. Mm. Yeah, yeah, you know, um, and Steven Seagal was live for a fuck five minutes as well at this time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's kind of like was the, the in thing, wasn't it? Um, and, you know, Connor Reeves kind of follows on from that too. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Reeves, again, does very much his own action sequences and now yeah. God, that's paying dividends in the John Wick films, obviously. So, yeah, immediately I was like, oh, okay, this is really cool. You feel like all the fight sequence stuff have real impact because he's he's going for it. And there's, there's a dynamism to his kind of movements as well, mm-hmm. definitely. So we're coming up to what I consider to be the zenith high point of the film. <laughs> the always bet on black. Speech. Oh, I cheered. I actually cheered. Yeah. <laughs> it's the push-in as well. Like, yeah. The camera yeah. Because it's like, we are really, like, putting all our... We're, we're betting on black. Yeah, yeah. That, that's the moment <laughs> where you go, they are trying to make him an absolute star. Plan not working out the way you want it, asshole. Don't flatter yourself, Cutter. You prevented nothing. Although it seems I may have underestimated you. Dumping the fuel is quite ingenious. At least Mr. Douglas's body won't have so far to fall now. <laughs> well, maybe Vincent could hitch a ride with him on his way down. You know, Charlie, I'm a little surprised at you. Didn't your father ever teach you never send a boy to do a man's job? <laughs> Speaking of boys, our stewardess friend must be feeling particularly unsatisfied. Charlie, you ever play roulette? On occasion. Well, let me give you a word of advice. Always bet on black. It kind of made me sad because I think that's the moment where you go, fuck me, Snipes has got tons and oodles of charisma here, but they don't really allow him to play it out in the other parts of the film as much. Well, I think it's after that point where like all of the great action tropey stuff is in it, and then Mm. after that scene... It's not. No. It just goes downhill. Yeah. It's like they've put everything into that bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah that's like the only sort of John McLeanism that he has yeah. in yes. the film, which is a bit of a shame because this film, like, I think the tone of it warrants way more of that yeah. stuff. Yeah, yes. <laughs> 100%. You said that you had a name for what Snipes, because Snipes yes. currently is having a resurgence. Well, like I say, you know, moment. we're going through what, what Snipes' version of a reconnaissance. So mm-hmm. we all know Matthew McConaughey, like, yeah. was totally shit, then he did some really good films. <laughs> they call it the reconnaissance. So I want to enter into the Pops of Lexicon my version of, like, the reconnaissance for Snipes. 
Cripes, it snipes. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. You can see the Blu-ray box set now. <laughs> well, I think we're looking at Dolomite as my name. He was generally stealing all his scenes. And yes. uh, I'm, I'm generally excited for coming to America to see what he does with his role in that. Yeah, um, so, and yeah. we've they've just announced Beverly Hills Cop 4 yeah. coming to Netflix. Now, they haven't announced the director or other stars yet. It's just Eddie Murphy. Probably know Beverly it's going to be Craig and it's going to be Wesley Snipes. 100%. I'm like, we know that it seems to be that Craig Brewer, uh, the director of Don White, is my name, seems to have single-handedly brought Murphy back from the ashes, directing that and coming to America as well, uh, the sequel. And I'm like, it's going to be Craig Brewer directing and Wesley Snipes as the baddie. Mm. Now that would be amazing. I've watched that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he pops oh, up in the new What We Do in the Shadows TV, TV show. show. He does. Like, he's he's everywhere. <laughs> what, Snipes? Yeah. yeah. Little Blade oh. reference. And plus the new uh, What We Do in the Shadows uh, TV show, of course, has a Star Trek connection with Doug Jones playing oh. the Master of the Vampires oh. in that. Uh, so there you go. And it is, I've seen only seen the first episode of the TV show, but I really liked it and actually controversially preferred it to the film. Oh. There you go. Like, yeah, I thought it was, I just instantly thought that it suited the sitcom format so much better than feature length. Mm. I know it's short because you've included it on mm. 90 Minutes or Less Film Fest, mm. but I really felt like the film, I know people really love it, but I felt it didn't stretch out to feature length at all. Whereas, like, the sitcom there, I was like, I was laughing all the way through. I was like, yeah, this is perfect. Mm. Like, little 20-minute kind of segments. Plus, it's got Matt Berry in it. So, it's instantly funny. <laughs> like, just but just by his presence. So, he gets off the plane, gets arrested by racist Southern cops. Best bit about him being grounded is the sequence where he just fucking batters the fuck out of all the racist cops. <laughs> like, there's a, I mean, he proper, like, destroys them. It's not a case of going, oh, I just need to get them out of the way, like, run. Go I mean, he literally kicks the shit out of them. Yeah, it's yeah. amazing. He kick one in the face when he's on the ground. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's like, definitely. Like, it's so funny. I was, he, he was almost suddenly turned into First Blood, like, with Rambo taking out all the cops. And it struck me as something that I thought... Probably wouldn't even happen today because now there'd probably be complaints from the right wing going like, oh, disgusting. Mm -hmm. Again, like, you know, it's like beating up innocent cops like this. Like, <laughs> but um, yeah, I like that uh, very much. And then that follows on uh, with his fight with Charles Rain where he kicks him in the pools like <laughs> 35 times. There are a lot of crotch shots in this film. Mm. So many crotch shots. There's where he goes, to, where he sometimes goes through airport security at the yeah, beginning, that's true, and he has yeah. that Lingering song crotch with the security guard, and she's like, "We're waving oh, wand." Yeah, 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 yeah. She's and she's loving it, isn't she? And he's yeah. kind of like, I, I can't remember what his yeah, reaction. Weapon there. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, I can't remember what his reaction was like. Was he kind of like no, loving it, or was no, he a bit like, he's, no. just, you know, he's he's grieving. He's yeah. only got yeah. his yeah. Yeah. Lisa. 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 <laughs> he's like, excuse me, uh, my dead wife died last year <laughs> I'm in the room but now I kind of that that, that name has yeah. such like connotations <laughs> yeah. yeah no I thought that was very odd as well because um, it just seemed a little bit 
definitely it, seemed like something that wouldn't happen today. Oh, it like, seemed yeah. like a way of trying to make the Snipes character be like sexually desirable. Mm. So you meant to think, oh, this but, is a cool dude, but it just does not, not come across very mm. well. It's, yeah. it's so 1992 in a mega way. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because it's just, they don't, nowadays, you don't need that. You should, the charisma of the lead performance should be enough. And it's like people will just gravitate, you have to ram it down our throat. Mm. Okay, he's a good looking guy. Mm. Don't need mm. people falling over him like it's some kind of like 70s black exploitation thriller you know? but, but they even have the Tom Sizemore character even says like oh my god you get all of the ladies yeah, yeah. Uh, I can't believe we haven't mentioned Tom Sizemore oh, until I know. <laughs> until this I mean, point he's, he's like the least wacky person in this film which is yeah. odd for him I think one of the reasons we haven't done is he's sort of unmemorable in this isn't he yeah. he's just kind of very much a kind of like I mean, uh, we, I mean this film like most of the runtime is dedicated to the inner workings of this like you know airline yeah, yeah. Uh, well through screen work like Negotiating backroom deals, how they're going to take it out to the press. Um, yeah, more so specifically, the press release they're going to put out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's the PR department. Also, they, they spend a lot of time with, with Sizemore's character on a helicopter getting to where the plane eventually lands, and the scenes don't add anything to <laughs> yeah. the film. Well, Did you do an okay back up in the air for a minute. I was just thinking the whole time, this is such an oddly structured film. So many for shots an 84 minute movie. Yeah. So many cutaways of the plane getting ready as well, just like, oh, here's a little close up of the Aerolon, Aerolons and it's, like, it's very fetishistic but it's like you know we've seen a plane before and we've seen what it looks like taking off again again it's just like it was so much padding considering it's 80 something foot minutes yeah. you know there's about 10 minutes of just you know stuff that could, could go could be a solid 60 minutes yeah. <laughs> I just think it's like, I think it's fine it being 84 minutes long but the structure is absolutely bananas yeah. and they, they, they've they've put so much emphasis on so much of the admin and behind the scenes and like how an airline works and not the action we're watching an action movie yeah and they make a decision for all its faults which is you know killing Steve Seagal big big mistake I think, you know. <laughs> oh yeah yeah that. executive decision also on the spot part of the movies list false advertising that's all I'll say about that you know we have a lot more kind of like cat and mouse in the bowels of the plane in uh, in that executive decision where they kind of really make you kind of the whole stretch of the, the 747 is like kind of utilised whereas this it just seems like two upstairs downstairs it's like two two rooms the whole thing takes place in it, it, they haven't really used the kind of um, the whole focus point of the film you know, being on a plane it just seems underutilised yeah and like I say I just I try and imagine the two writers kind of hashing this out and going on my head like why take him off the plane and then you have to backwardly engineer a way of contriving to get him back on that plane for the end sequence. It's like they're deliberately making it hard for them, going, oh, well, we've got to get him off that plane for a bit because we need that 20 minutes to the racist cops. And the Ferris wheel, don't forget about the Ferris wheel sequence. We've got Tom on the helicopter. Okay. And then we've got to get him back on the... Like, at some point, didn't someone go just kind of, oh, why don't we just do the whole film on the plane? Wouldn't that be easier? Mm-hmm. Uh, one location, save some money, as oh yeah 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 yeah, and that never seems to have happened. Just so maybe uh, maybe that was like that's just too bold an idea at this point. Like no, you can't. It's impossible. We couldn't set our whole <laughs> film. Uh, we have to have some you know, good grounded scenes. There's probably lots of sort of notes like that. Like, you're a madman. We will never set a whole movie on a plane. It'll never happen. Uh, although, I'm glad they do go back on the plane towards the end because that yes. has quite a good sequence when he jumps on the plane through the landing gear. Yeah. That's oh, like that's a legit badass, yeah. good action scene yeah. where yeah. the cops are sort of driving up to yeah. the plane. Also, car can drive as fast as a plane. That's cool. Uh, <laughs> and then he jumped. That was, like, that was sort of like one highlight in the final yeah. 10 or 15 minutes. There's some really good jumping from Snipes in that yeah. plane. Yeah. And that's what I mean in terms of he can actually do that stuff. He 
he seems so well, mad. Can do that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> White man can't jump. All right. Like yeah, he's really physically dynamic. He is leaping up on chairs and kind of like taking out rain and everything like that. Giving a few more kicks to the ball. He's almost a bit too. When he's out at the fairground, there's so many poles for him to swing on. Just like go and do some stunts, Wesley. It's like all right. <laughs> and there's like every single thing he has to interact with. He won't walk around anything. He has to like jump through it or around it. Oh, there is an amazing bit where he comes out of the police station after he's like beating up the cops and there's like a chain link fence yeah. it's like waist height he just like steps over it as if it's nothing yeah it's a good hurdle <laughs> just, like, just a little leap as if it's absolutely nothing to what I was like gazelle like oh, yeah that's great, mm. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> but I do think like a parody version is you could have like the fight could have been in a soft play area like, all of like you know just taking all the guards and like the ball pit and stuff like that it's like you know things to swing on and you know things to hide in and have a little dig <laughs> yes <laughs> so shall we move on to final thoughts Paul what is your we, we give star ratings only one on this left. podcast it's all mine and you can give you can yeah. give half stars mm, I hadn't really thought about star ratings were your final star. thoughts and star rating it was entertaining I'll begin a kind of like goofy kind of like action movie wait I have seen it before so oh you've seen it before this is a oh, okay. and I, I did remember Liz Hurley it's like the standout thing that I remembered you know that very little else I've, for, I've forgotten the entire section at the fair and right. I almost just like wrote it in my head that it was just all on the plane. So there you, know, you, go. you wrote the better version. I obviously didn't remember any of the backstory about like you know the security firm and stuff like that. Yeah, I I, I just remember you know the black and black line is is very you know memorable. But uh, you know on this rewatch, yeah, it just it really you know in a review put your review hat. I'm just like how bizarre like this casting this villain is, and I just feel that's that's the weakness because mm. it could have been a, you know a different actor. It could have been really quite a, a cult classic. In a sense, you know, if you do get your Christopher Walkins on the plane, uh, you know, in some kind of criminal mastermind, somebody who has a bit of charisma and a reason why these people are following him, mm. I always don't like it in films where um, the villain, towards the end, starts shooting their own people and, and the rest yeah. still follow yeah. I just feel like, oh, the, the, the wheels are coming off now. The one exception is Batman. Um, yeah, but, you know, it just feels like they're losing it and it just feels like these people just give up. You need a, a reason for them to like, stick to them to the end, you know, where they're going you know, to be running away. It's like, you know, you've got to hold them off for me while I make my escape. And they, you believe they would do it? And when you film, say Batman, do you mean Dark Knight Rises? No, Batman, where he shoots Bob. He stole my balloons! Why didn't somebody tell me that he had one of those things? Bob? Gun. Going to need a minute or two alone, boys. Yeah. Well, Bob had his own action figure. He's an important guy. He's so, an important yeah. guy. Um, <laughs> I would probably have to give it... Oh, it's difficult. It's like, it's, is it one and a half stars or two? Wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, man, we're talking low. Well, you, it's your decision to make, sir. Um, I can say one and a half, yeah. We've started low. Sam, final thoughts and star rating. Uh, you're right. It, uh, like Bruce Payne, I think, is the actor's Bruce name. Bruce Payne! Charles Rain, who pulls out the plane. <laughs> Is his name really Bruce Payne? Yeah. Bruce That's like the most incredible thing <laughs> I've ever heard. Like, he's also still working as an actor today. He he's in other feature films. He's in Dungeons and Dragons. That terrible, terrible. Which was so bad. I was at school. Said it made him sick. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, he threw up. Like he had to go to the bathroom, throw up. And that's how bad Dungeons and Dragons was. Uh, yeah, he hasn't. So he hasn't had the best career. But you're right. If we had like maybe at this point like Terence Stamp, he'd be quite a good villain in that role. I'd, I'd oh, buy yeah. that. I'd watch that. Stamp. Yeah, yeah. you're British. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe go for that or. Maybe a Jeremy Irons, but he might be a bit too young, and also he's gonna be better in a diehard film down the line. So uh, he just won an Oscar. I don't think yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so like Stamp, I think of like camp it up. He'll be you know he's around probably the right sort of age for that guy. And, mm. uh, yeah, that would be more fun. But yeah, he's the weak link in this film for sure. Oh, 
Yeah, stab with those cold Bucket eyes. <laughs> yeah. He could do the lines as well. He could say, you know, Charles Rain is not insane. Uh, so, <laughs> fantasy recasting. <laughs> uh, I yeah, had, a, had a whale of a time uh, watching it. I loved all of the indulgences. I loved the crap titles, um, all, of the, you know, all that stuff. The dirty bass line, all of the mm. bananas music. Every time a new music cue started, we'd look at each other and go, what? <laughs> uh, and then we're like, who's done the music? I want the soundtrack. Because it's so, like, it's just like a parody of, like, an 80s cop movie. Uh, so enjoyed that a lot. But uh, the wheels come off the plane uh, when, when they're halfway through the film. It's a real shame. They, I think they build up to a really good conceit. Cool, an action movie on a plane. This is going to be really good. Everybody, when everybody's together, then the plane lands. And then we get this weird, convoluted sort of stuff in the... It's not really the fairground stuff I don't like. It's the stuff in air traffic control. It mm. goes on forever. <laughs> no one sets a film in air traffic control like this because that's boring. Especially when it's a really tiny air traffic control managed by like a like a mom and pop uh, kind of industry. Uh, so I think the first half is pretty good. The second half is, is pretty dull. Uh, and yeah, I think for that I'd probably give it like two and a half, three stars. Maybe a three stars for the soundtrack. Okay, three stars here. So we're going up. Yeah. Louise. Yeah, well, I think the lows are low and the highs are high. So I think the first half of the film is about four stars. Second half is one. (laughs) We're going to go down the middle for a three. Three. It's a solid three star film. Solid three star. Okay, well, um, the the Bruce Payne revelation has added a whole nother level to the film for me in terms of. Because now I'm just like, right, the entire film was backwardly engineered in the writer's head. Just be like, right, we're going to get Bruce Payne to play Charles Rain, who is not insane. Charles Rain is not insane. And they spent so much time on that that they even bothered with the structure of the film. Oh, God, I agree that the highs are high in terms of always bet on black. I mean, that moment is like four and a half stars. But it's so of its own myth. It is, I I agree, I agree, I agree. Um, And, you know, Liz Hurley is really great in it. Definitely, I I can totally see why she became big off the back of this. I think there's just not enough of what actually makes Snipes great in this film for me. It, like, almost feels like they kind of didn't actually let him loose to do his thing. Like, I feel like Demolition Man is actually a better example mm. of what he's capable of. Because although he's the villain there, mm. he does all his own action. Like, you know, he's really funny. He's very charismatic villain yes. in yeah. that, you know, he's really great. And that's like the year after. And I... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of feel like, you know, he's having more fun there. Blade is a kind of nice balance of like he he does do the serious thing in that but he also has gags i mean this is a very generic film for the most part the thing that makes it not generic is having wesley snipes in the lead at that and that's viewing it in the context of the time i'm gonna go two stars but very very i mean literally so close to two and a half and i might where it gets on letterbox, guys. If you follow me on there, if it ends up being two and a half, like you know, I. No, I think you guys have dragged it up a bit, Mr. I'm gonna go back and get two. Okay, <laughs> all right. Hey. So, you know, some hiking okay. action, and this Hurley is great in that part. Okay, so, there okay. is something stuff that does set it apart from like. There's an awful lot of drag movies out there. This yes. is definitely not lower tier. It's yes. kind of like in the lower medium sort of like echelon of like 90s action cinema. 
is perfectly acceptable. It's not like I never watch again. Oh, this is a bad movie. Yeah. Like I'm like you know, it's perfectly fine. But I just think that Snipes would go on to better things for what it wanted to do. It did make him an action star. It was a hit. Mm-hmm. Um, it made a uh, triple its money back. And you know, the next year he was the star of Boiling Point, Rising Sun with Sean Connery and Demolition Man, all in the same year. So he really did become a big star off the back of this. He did well, and I'm really glad he's coming back now because I think he's a really really cool star if anything kind of David Lowry who was the connection uh, for this film seems to get dragged over hot coals uh, in this episode really because you know the thing with diss the most is the structure of the script but maybe that was all down to Dan Gordon who's who's to say (laughs) Sam and Louise where can we find you in the work that you do online uh, if you go to 90minfilmfest.com, which is 90minfilmfest, because it's shorter to type out, we uh, can find all of our podcasts there. We've got a whole host of podcasts about films under 90 minutes long, one with Liam, uh, mm-hmm. quite recently recorded uh, Dead Man's Shoes, a very good episode, great movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've got to say compliments to both of you for making me sound incredibly professional on <laughs> on that episode, because I was like, listening back going... Sure, it didn't sound as good when we actually recorded it. So it's like Louise is knowingly going, You didn't. <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, that was so much fun. That was really, I was really happy with how it came out. And Dead Man Shoes, one of my favourite films. So it was amazing. It's, it's funny, Shane Meadows is um, the only director who we've got who's got multiple yeah. films in the festival. Quite right. Uh, with Le Duncan Scorsese also. And I think there's a few other of his movies that could be eligible. Yeah, because <laughs> on my shortlist was also A Room for Romeo Brass, which is also eligible and also a fantastic film. Mm. So, the, But you've had some amazing guests on the show. Joe Cornish. Yeah. We, uh, uh, Colin Trevorrow. Yeah. Like, uh, like, yeah, I mean, that's, that's insane. Uh, yeah, it's fun. It's a really... The, the lineup are people who... Because we sort of do this in our spare time like a lot of podcasters do and like it has to be fun to do um, so our passion is not only 90 minute films but it's having conversations with people who we really want to talk to so we mm. were able to reach out to people we absolutely love like Joe Cornish who was so kind to come and, and do the show um, but yeah we've, we've had sort of everyone from friends to people whose work we like yeah. um, even uh, <laughs> a chef who I really like <laughs> who won MasterChef a few years ago and runs a restaurant in Brixton which is one of my favourites called Nanban and we invited him on and he chose my neighbour Totoro uh, which is very oh, good. Um, so yeah, you can find us on on any, I guess, any podcatcher, ninety uh, minfilmfestcom and we've got a, a yeah. Twitter account. If you want to say hello, we're on Twitter and Instagram at ninety minfilmfest. Can you give us some sizzle of guests and films coming up? So we've got some really fun stuff coming up. We've got uh, <laughs> Crank, sticking oh, to action oh, movies. Oh, I love, love Crank. Love uh, Crank. A film uh, critic who we really adore, Beth Webb, chose Crank, uh, which is uh, it was a hell of a ride. Oh, so we got that. We've gosh. also uh, got, I don't know if you guys know the Black Men Can't Jump in Hollywood podcast. Yes. Um, they chose Run, Lola, Run. Oh, I like that one too. Yes. Yeah, very... Just thinking in my head, they may have done Passenger 57. They have. They have. Have, have they done it? Uh, yeah, I will yeah. have to go back because that is a very good podcast. Oh, I uh, really, really they, and it's, They've got a fascinating ranking system where it's not to do with kind of like officially how good the film was, but how um, how good it was for kind of, you know, pushing black culture kind of mm. like forward and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, they've done some really great episodes uh, online. Yeah, their Hobson Shaw one was great. Uh, Black Dynamite as well. And they did one on Don White is my name as well. Uh, so yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Oh, nice. The nice thing with, I guess, and same when you came on as well, it's, it's you know, they're known for doing podcasts uh, for them about, you know, black leads in Hollywood films. Mm. And, and Beth Webb is mostly known for focusing on like feminist films and films that passed the Bechdel test. 
uh, and and you're mostly known for doing Star Trek stuff. Yeah. Uh, but you know, it's a chance for you to sort of indulge in in you know put another hat on in your fandom. Beth Webb loves uh, Jason Statham movies. You clearly like Shane Meadows. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and and yeah, the the guys from Black Men Can't Jump really enjoy Run Let It Run. So it's really it's sort of a fun way for people to talk about something they're passionate about. Mm, yeah, hundred percent. I, I can't wait for the crank episode. And this isn't your first podcast that you've done, is it? Right. So I also my my other job, my day job, I guess, is for Picture House Cinemas, and I do the Picture House Cinemas podcast. And you've been doing it for a little while. Oh, for a very long time. <laughs> before <laughs> people, over a decade. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So this, when there's the, the painting on the wall of like the founding fathers, <laughs> you're there, kind of signing the original treaty that says podcasting is a real thing now. Yeah, it was really after so many years. It was like, what's a podcast? And I had to keep um, explaining it to people because we do that show is is uh, you know to promote new films at the cinema. So we'd go to filmmakers, going, do you want to come on our podcast and do an interview? And I'd be like, what's the podcast? Yeah. Uh, whereas now you go to the junket and everyone's flipping podcast. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So your podcast Potemkin and basically this whole thing. Yeah. I was going to go for Nature, but nobody wants that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's probably good. When we started doing that Picture House podcast, the only other people really doing film podcasts for movie, movie studios were doing podcasts which would basically just be like, a featurette, the audio from a featurette that they put onto iTunes, and it would stay mm. in the charts forever. Like yeah. the Inglorious Bastards, I'm sure it's still in the iTunes. Yes, it is. It is. <laughs> that was there when we started, 2008. Um, but yeah, then it was Commode and Mayo, and and um, mm. not that Adam and Joe podcast on Six Music did films particularly, but like that was one that we were listening to. So we're like, yes. oh, yeah, 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 yeah. This, these podcasts are pretty good, aren't they? Well, let's have a go at that. So yeah, we. Do, I mean, that's that. There's a so many of those episodes online um, but um, yeah we still do those and we've got a whole host of uh, the nice thing about Pitch House podcasts is a lot of Pitch House staff come on board so I'm usually there as a bit of an anchor but there's a lot of great voices from the office and from people in the cinemas and um, and we do get some really good guests on that so yeah if you like new release stuff uh, check out the Picture House podcast. It's a really cool experience, although you have to kind of survive the press junket kind of like uh, thing, which must be difficult. It depends. Uh, it really depends. It depends on how big the film is, depends on how many interviews they're doing. Uh, the worst is the default time for you to be in a junket, what they call a one slot, is like four minutes. So I'll give you one slot. And like, no, <laughs> can't do that. Like, I just, how can I? That's like me saying hello and then and then it stops. Um, but it was just more for sound bites, and there is a place for that. It's good for social media and for sort of magazine-y kind of things. But with the podcast, we want to have a bit more of a conversation, so um, we try and argue for a bit longer. Um, and we usually get our way, uh, which is good. I think the publicists don't want their talent to, to say, you know, to not have enough time to you know, sell the movie and to do their job. Mm. So if you say we're going to have a conversation, they're like, oh, okay, so you, you probably need like 10, 15, 20 minutes, mm. uh, which is a bit better uh, for that stuff. But yeah, it's, um, yeah I mean, it's, uh, I, I can't even think of who... We'll have on, but we're we're talking to all of the people who've got all of the films in the awards races uh, coming up. So yeah, like it's uh, it's quite fun uh, to to do that. Sometimes a lot of pressure because mm. um, you also want to keep it interesting for the people you're interviewing, and they're doing hundreds of interviews. Mm. So you're like, what's my angle, which will make uh, oh, I don't God, know, Sam yeah. Mendes be interested in me <laughs> for so ten you minutes? Get Terry Malick for the first time. Right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Terry Malick, famously elusive, sadly. <laughs> Although I did hear once he went to the um, Nando's, the Brixton Nando's, uh, with <laughs> Asif Kapadia, uh, from Asif Kapadia. Uh, so that's that's sort of um, just made my you know Malick uh, appreciation go a lot that's, higher. Well, none <laughs> of his films are getting on 90 minutes or less shortly. Like, uh, no, no, sadly not. Badlands? Oh, was it 90? Both of them are like 90 minutes, Days of Heaven. Really? Yeah. 
like if Terry wants to choose a movie, <laughs> yeah, he is more than welcome. Oh, I remember like um, on TMZ one time they said uh, Terry Malick was spotted, like, but it was funny because it was like they were following. It wasn't TMZ that were doing it, but it was somebody else who kind of said actually he featured on TMZ, but it was because they were following somebody else around. Right, and it was right, um, right. Del Toro coming out of a restaurant with who had just gone to dinner with Malick. And it, and it like the show like obviously goes straight for the cameras, you know, because he just you know does his thing. And Malik's behind, just like sees him and just an absolute U-turn and walks away. Uh, but it's just, like they're not here yeah. for you, Terry. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Like they're not going to recognise him. They won't know who they, who they, who yeah. they got there. Like you know, the lesser spotted Malik. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, do go and listen to uh, the Nine Minutes or Less Film Fest and the Picture Cinemas podcast. Both really, really great podcasts. And uh, I'm not just saying that because I was on an episode. <laughs> and you do they're really condensed as well in terms of, I like the fact that you go we are celebrating economy um, uh, brevity so you make sure the podcasts that you release tend to be around like not even like 40 minutes 35-40 minutes yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. it seemed quite yeah. quite strict and I, I like that in terms of because that's that's the whole thing if, like if you were releasing a three hour podcast for it, w- it wouldn't quite work would it no, and, and that's definitely part of it. Like we thought it'd be really ironic if we ever put out a podcast longer than the film that we were, <laughs> yeah. which we have done because some people have um, they've taken the ninety minutes or less thing to extremes and chosen short movies. So we've covered yes. Jennifer Kent's uh, first short, which is sort of the inspiration for the Babadook. Uh, which is called Monster, and uh, it's on the Blu-ray for Babadook, and that's only 10 minutes long, so we had to go over the length of the film. Yeah. But it's also really interesting, like, talking about a 10-minute film in, in sort of quite granular detail. Mm. Uh, mm. So that was quite fun, and we've had a couple of other shorts on on since then, which I'm all for. I, I didn't expect people to do that, but I love that people are you know, taking the brief very literally, like, what's the shortest film I can think of? <laughs> yeah, the shortest <laughs> film I've ever seen. Well, actually, funny enough, good old Shane Reynolds again directed a film which is like, I think, like, seven Stop. seconds. Oh, right. Or wow. something like that. Yeah. Like, literally, it was like, it was shot on an iPhone, and it was literally just a test, kind of shooting a short on an iPhone. And it literally is two people, like, bumping into each other on, like, a stairwell. And that's it. That's the film. Like, uh, it, I will find it. It's literally, like, ten seconds. If We're going to have to do a shame on his mini-season and cover <laughs> yeah, 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 every yeah. eligible film and go into, yeah. like, such granular detail as that. There you go. <laughs> that is the only way. Right, you can find Spotlight at Spotlight Pod on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, you can send us an email at spotlightpod at gmail.com. And uh, if you want to leave us a review, uh, you can do that via Apple Podcasts. Uh, always great to hear from you there. And, uh, you, you know, they they say all reviews must be five stars. Like, literally, this is a weird thing. Like, you know, not only in Apple Podcasting, but just all reviews ever. Like, I bought a phone recently and the guy was saying oh you've got to review me if you give anything less than five stars it's basically giving me one star mate and I was like is it? I like, yeah. <laughs> yeah four stars you lose your job <laughs> yeah, I was like where's the nuance but he did make it sound I like Baldwin and Gregory and Ross I was like he made it sound like oh, I thought hey you know four stars you can be very very good you say there's a few little kind of like minor faults but he made it sound as if he's like yeah if I get like four stars that's it all my commission gone what I'm saying is guys be honest in your reviews and anything less than five stars you may as well be giving us one star <laughs> <laughs> But until next time, when I'm sure Matt will be back with us, it's goodbye from me, Liam. That's goodbye, people. And goodbye from our guests. Bye. Bye. <laughs>